We're kicking off Black History Month talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. This is an inviting conversation with South Florida-based consultant Rosalind Rice, and she's going to describe what exactly that means, why it's important, and the actionable steps all of us can take to celebrate Black History Month and other cultural months throughout the year. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I am so excited to see again and introduce all of you to Rosalind Rice, who is the co-founder of consulting firm DPI. She is a DEI practitioner, a speaker, and also a best-selling author. I'm sure so much more, which I'll let her share for all of us. But first, welcome to the show. Hi, so <laughs> glad to be here. You know, I have to say, I was just so impressed with you when I first saw you, what, maybe two-ish months or so ago now? It was October. In October, at the Coral Gables Chamber of Commerce Women's Luncheon, where you spoke um, so beautifully, and we all enjoyed it so, so much. So I was like, oh, I know I have to have you on the podcast to continue to educate us. Um, help us learn, get to know more about you and your personal story. Um, So for a little bit of um, context, what I I love so much about what you shared at that chamber event is, is that it was so inviting. And sometimes conversations around diversity and inclusion, around race and all of these other topics can be difficult to discuss. And I found that this was a, a great opportunity. We're just kicking off Black History Month, which is when a lot of these conversations um, start to happen in in the new year. And, you know, I found this to be a good opportunity to educate others and also get to know you better. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So the first thing I'll ask before we kind of dive into the meat of the topic today is I want to learn more about you, your personal story, why you do what you do. Uh, I think for my story, it has started with, uh, if you think about a a moment in time when you felt like an outsider. Uh, And I really feel that in my life, I have spent a lot of my time as an outsider or an only, depending on the spaces that I was in. And even in my childhood, I am one of 40 grandchildren. And it was incredibly hard uh, in an African-American home to be able to even get a, a voice in edgewise, just kind of dismiss, like that's the baby girl, because uh, I was the youngest. And so I learned quickly just to wait my turn to be able to be heard. You fast track that into my uh, career, into my corporate space. I was in corporate America for about 25 years uh, and held some incredible positions and realized that I would be the only. I traveled a lot. Uh, internationally as well as domestically. And I would be the only uh, in hotel gyms, hotel restaurants, hotel bars. And I found that life became very isolating. Uh, In leadership meetings, I would be the only. And as an only, you carry the weight of 
the responsibility of opening doors for others, but making sure that you're clicking on all cylinders so that you are not making it hard for someone else to follow in your footsteps. So for me, being able to find my voice and not be muted, to feel that I would be eventually one day an insider is one of the reasons why I came into this practice of really making people who feel excluded feel safe to feel like they belong and that they can authentically show up in whatever space that they're walking in. So I'm curious, how did you make that transition from being in the corporate space to now co-founding your own consulting firm? What was that like? Oh, yeah. I got laid (laughs) off. How about that? (laughs) Same here. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It was 2020 and it was the year of reawakening. Um, There was so much that was happening in regards to African-American. For African-Americans, this reawakening of really realizing how we had spent many of our lives. I was one generation post-segregation, the world was open to me and my parents made sure that we had the best of the best and we were able to walk in all the different spaces. Uh, And so we assimilated. Um, There were conversations we could have in our home, but there were conversations that we could not have outside of our home. And I think in 2020, we all got the opportunity to just think about, man, what have I given up to be like someone else? Um, even the way that I wear my hair today um, mm. was not welcomed uh, in the corporate America space that I was in. I would hear questions like, you know, comments like, oh, I don't know if you're the right fit. And, you know, what does that even mm. mean? So being, you know, laid off in 2020 with the pandemic that hit, just looking back and thinking I had always been in charge of large teams and what the passion for me was opening doors for others. So even though I was a leader, I was passionate about being silent as a leader and opening space for other people to shine, because I think that is what a servant leader does. And I wanted to make sure that people knew that I believed in them. I wasn't a micromanager, um, but that I wanted to open a platform for them to talk about their own achievements. Um, And so that's how it happened. And that's how I started uh, my own company. Can you give me an example of maybe a conversation um, that had happened maybe prior to 2020 that was, hey, this is only something that we talk about behind closed doors. And then it was able to be discussed a little bit more publicly. Yeah. I mean, I think when I was growing up, my father, I grew up, I feel like on a golf course, my father was an avid golfer and talked about an only space in clubhouses. He would often be the only black that would be there. My father would always talk to us very candidly about how we needed to behave ourselves in the world um, to be seen in a proper way. And it just was a part of conversations that we had. Uh, He made sure we knew how to eat at dinner. He knew we were aspiring business uh, majors from after we left the University of Florida. And he would say, hey, this is how you need to be around white people. Full transparency. Uh, And so in 2020, when that awakening happened, it's like, why do I need to be someone other than myself? And what I realized, and thankfully through therapy, is that I was emotionally illiterate to really be able to express how I felt about certain events in my life uh, because I was never given the space to 
be able to just figure out what emotion I would be feeling based on what I would see happening in my community or a portrayal of African-Americans on TV. It hits our communities hard, uh, but oftentimes we're not post before 2020. We didn't really have a space to talk about it. We definitely couldn't go into the workforce talking about it. Um, and so those would be conversations that you would just have to be having at home. I've heard many others say that they've had those conversations with their parents. And then when I kind of think about my my own um, childhood and upbringing, um, being raised by a white mother, um, you know, I never really had that conversation. It wasn't something I became really attuned to until my adult life. And so I'm over here just being my my loud self <laughs> and speaking out at all. Like I didn't think about things that way because those conversations really weren't had between myself and my mother. And, you know, you could probably say, hey, for, for some good and in in some ways you know maybe not so good but um let's let's talk about this month because at the time of this episode airing um we're, we're going to be kicking off black history month i love this time of the year where there is such a focus on the contributions of african americans and you know from when you heard me speak um one thing that we focus on in our firm is going beyond just race because there obviously is incredible exhaustion that happens when you focus on one piece of someone's identity i am more than just being an african american i am so many other things besides that. And so I think it's important when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and even belonging, that you go beyond just the D, just the the compliance of the demographics of check the box. Do we have enough women? Do we have enough veterans? Do we have enough Blacks? Do we have enough Hispanics? But it is important in our world, in the United States, to focus on uh, the contributions that African-Americans have made um, and this is the month that we get the opportunity to to see all that. Oftentimes, I feel like this month is a month where companies, individuals, organizations, et cetera, take that opportunity to celebrate um, diversity and inclusion, their, their diverse workforce, um, et cetera. But I did want to take the opportunity to expand on what you said as far as it goes so much further than, than race. So I want to ask the question, what is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity is just uh, the presence of differences. And every single human being is um, different in some way. Even though I have a twin sister, her and I are different. And I think that we muddy it down to be this polarizing word, uh, but it is just the presence of differences. And that is what makes us rich as a human race, uh, is to have all of those uh, differences together, working together. Um, and that's the space where we really wanna grow from within our in our firm. We wanna make sure that we're highlighting all the different differences. So whether you are deaf, whether you have a physical disability, whether you are from an immigrant here in the US, all the different spectrums of diversity. Equity is really where we start talking about systems 
And equity is making sure that there is uh, fairness for all. So if I am someone and I've gone into a high school and I have been very generous and I'm going in and I'm wanting to give them all white sneakers, these students, man, that's inclusive. I've included all of them. They didn't have to come to the table with anything except for being a part of this school. Equity will say, what size shoe do you wear? So equity is providing that access based on your specific needs. And that'll be different for everyone. So it's not a one size fits all. And I think many times that is the challenge of our workforces is that they've had to have this very one size fits all strategy, whether it's with working mothers and parents or uh, those who are um, having mental health concerns. Uh, but it's really listening as a leader and figuring out equity is what is needed for you to have equal access opportunity. Uh, inclusion is just making sure that there is a space. Uh, inclusion deals with behaviors that when someone is hired and they walk into that new job, that there is inclusion to embrace all the parts of who they are as a human being. Uh, and then belonging, which is one of the greatest measurements right now of employee engagement is saying, I belong here that I am here, I am valued, I have a voice, I don't have uh, the thought of having uh, repercussions when I speak in a very respectful manner uh, and give my advice. Um, and so that's what belonging is. Like, I just feel like I'm, I'm a part of the team. And I think all of us can think of a time when we didn't belong and how painful that is. So whether it was a childhood cafeteria and you didn't have the right lunchbox mm. <laughs> or you're sitting at a networking event and you feel that it's clickish and no one is speaking to you or simply walking into a forever 21 <laughs> dressing room and you feel like you don't fit any of those clothes and you realize I'm not forever 21. Wherever it is, we all have experienced the feeling of not belonging. And so belonging in the workforce is so incredibly important and hard to do, but incredibly important. Mm. I mean, that made it so, so clear to me. Um, I've had a few friends and colleagues um, who have autism or work in the autism space um, come on this podcast. One in particular, Haley Moss, who came out as the first openly autistic um, attorney to be for sworn into the Florida Bar. And um, she talked a lot about her experience um, interviewing for jobs, uh, meeting with employers. And, you know, I remember her saying, you know, it's important for employers to ask, what do you need to feel comfortable in the workplace, right? And and she said, even when it came to, to law and in teaching lawyers, like where um, those on the spectrum and how they behave when, you know, um, what whether they're testifying, right? It might be, she's like, you know, we lack eye contact. It doesn't mean we're lying. Like, all of those things, right? Like it's like you said, it's just that one size fits all, and mental. We could say mental health or mental illness isn't going to look the same for everyone. So while somebody may need this, someone may need this to perform their best. You got it. <laughs> no, I was able to like connect the dots there. So that was really, really such a great um, explanation. Um, you said that the end there with belonging, it's not easy. So that may leave people with, where do I start then? What do I do? 
that's probably a big question. <laughs> yeah, no, it is so, um, I think in our best efforts, we want to foster somewhere where people have a culture of fitting in or feeling like they are accepted. Um, but it is resounding evidence that shows where leadership thinks their culture is and where when they actually look at the engagement of their workforce, there's a huge gap. And so I think it is important for leaders to start. Where do you start? Start with listening. I think many times we are just even if we're someone who's creating products and services, we're creating products and services based on, I'm gonna create this thing and push it out into the marketplace. It is better to be able to listen and get feedback and then customize your services and products based on feedback from whatever your target audience is. So my first thing would be to listen. Listen to your internal teams, and be willing to go all the way to that entry level. Normally the entry level is who is closest to your customer. So listen, that is the first advice I would give anyone when they are starting on a DEIB journey is to listen. The second thing I would say is realize in your childhood, your lived experiences, every single brain has biases. It's just shortcuts. It is not anything that is wrong or, you know, there can be biases that are good or not good. I just told you that my son uh, just graduated from college and I am biased in the fact that he is the most handsome young <laughs> adult that I've ever laid my eyes on. So biases can be good and they can also be bad, right? So it's important that we realize where we have our own biases. I'll give you an example because when we when we have biases and we all do, it moves us away from accuracy of making robust decisions in our business. I just had the opportunity to meet a young girl and a, a young adult. And when she came up to me, she was just kind of in that personal space of mine. And I'm like, oh, she is in my head. She is just too much. I made a wrong assumption. What I learned is that the young lady was deaf and she was reading my lips. And I thought to myself, here I am in the space of DEIB and my brain who wants to make quick shortcuts because we're processing so much information made a wrong assumption. So the second thing, um, the first one obviously talked about to listen. The second is to slow down mm. and challenge any assumption that you will make who can afford your services, who cannot afford your services, who deserves your services or products. That's why DPI is here to really help leaders, managers, people who are leading. And we believe everyone is a leader. You're a leader of yourself. You're a leader of people or leader of leaders. And so there is an opportunity for you to uh, definitely gain insight with our services. Um, are there actionable steps that come from that? I know you and I have talked about surveys and things like that. So is that where that kind of comes in in that listening phase? Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely assess where you are. And that comes within, you know, having surveys. It, and it it really depends on understanding what is important to your individual team. And it's going to differ. Maybe you have people on your team who are caregivers and uh, you've never even 
thought about taking time to think about what their needs are. And if that's not your lived experience, it's hard for you to think about, oh, someone who is a caregiver needs to have a condensed schedule or needs to have a more flexible schedule. It doesn't even cross your mind. And so again, challenging the assumptions, put those surveys out there and figure out what is important to your team. In regards to celebrating, whether it's Black history, then we move into women's history, what is important for them. Uh, many times we will just try and showcase uh, someone who is African-American on our team. And that can be an exhausting process when they feel like they are just kind of the token one during, mm. you know, and should know all the answers. So it's important to just have those anonymous surveys and just kind of gauge what is important with your team. That's that's one of the ways listening. Also do focus groups to kind of get uh, a pulse on the culture or you can have one-to-one -one touch bases. Uh, many times we spend a lot of time at work and we can spend so much time focusing on performance that we never get to know who our individual contributors are. So have one-to-one -one touch bases. And no, that's not gonna be, if you have a large workforce, that's not gonna be accessible to everyone. But if you do have a pyramid org structure where you do have your uh, managers, directors, let them have those one-to-one -one touch bases and let the individual contributor drive those conversations. What is the appropriate way for companies, organizations to celebrate and, and, and recognize, for example, as you said, the contributions of African-Americans in this country? Oh, great question. I'll start with the what not to do. Do not force your thinking of what a um, celebration should look like. So get a cultural calendar, understand the religious holidays. Yes, it's Black History Month, but it is also the start of um, the Chinese New Year and what that means, how they celebrate. Um, again, it's going to look different for every single family. Uh, so just because someone is an Afri African-American, um, I think about in June, they will celebrate Juneteenth in a different way. What we saw last year, we saw this try to be commercialization of a very sacred, somber holiday for African-Americans where there was this, I remember they, uh, there was a large retailer, I shall not say its name, uh, that put this ice, Juneteenth ice cream, and it did not hit well. Um, because it felt like there was this commercialization of how African-Americans should be celebrating that holiday. So make sure, again, listening to understand how those that are on your team are celebrating their individual holidays. My holidays are on the calendar, on the U.S. calendar, but that's not the same for every other, for all people. So get a cultural calendar and start to understand the ways in which your team wants to celebrate it, what's important to them. Mm. That's a great tip. Um, yeah, and I, I like what you said, too, because sometimes it can feel like, hey, it's Black History Month. Um, we're going to recognize so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And it can, at times, depending on you know who you are and how you want to be recognized, et cetera, feel like tokenism, right? Or it can feel like, well, this just happens when Black History Month comes around. Um, so is there a way for employers or leaders to approach that conversation about, hey, is it just opening the floor and saying, hey, how do you all think 
we celebrate and recognize Black History Month? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you saw in 2020 the rise of um, ERGs, employee resource groups, where there is a community within a community. And from those groups, whether it is a group for parents, a group for caregivers, a group for African-Americans, a group for the LGBTQ, a group for, man, those who might just have some um, mental um, anxiety, I think it is important from those spaces, those collective groups, uh, to find out what is important to them and how how they celebrate. And I think you'll be surprised that it might look different uh, from what um, you know HR team. Normally, HR teams will take on this on this task. It might look completely different than what they thought. And it's it's important to have a collective voice. One person doesn't represent an entire group. Mm. We're all different. So it's important to have a, a collective group of people who who are making the decisions. And I would say uh, what ties back to the values of the organizations, be able to, you know, invest money in, in how you will celebrate. You want you may or may not be able to celebrate everything, um, but decide what's important to your individual, unique, dynamic team there undoubtedly are still some leaders who probably feel as though hey i like that you use deib i'm going to update my notes for that hey we know that this is now something we should be doing but they haven't necessarily maybe made that connection as far as why it's important Mm -hmm. so if you get that question like why is this important for us to care about? How do you answer that? Yeah. So, you know, if I get that question, I know I've created a safe space because normally it's, I won't, I won't, you know, some people will hold back on some of the questions that they want to ask, but I think it's important with uh, DPI, with our company that we immediately create a safe space because it's only when there is safety mm-hmm. that someone feels that they have the ability to speak up. So if someone does ask uh, that question, why is it important? Um, it's important because if you are doing business with humans, I think that is all of us, it is important to understand uh, the value that um, people's unique perspectives, their lived experience, um, it's important to recognize that and figure out what works for them. Uh, there are people who have different motivating factors. So why is it important? You don't want to be broadcasting, celebrating, rewarding someone publicly when that terrifies them, Mm. that causes them anxiety. But if you as a leader have not spent time to understand what motivates someone on your team, you can make that horrible mistake. So again, slow down, challenge all of your assumptions. One of the easiest things for a leader to do is if you're having a meeting, if there is someone who has disclosed to you whether they have or not, that they have anxiety. Before you have a meeting, give them an agenda of what's going to be talked about. Because someone who deals with anxiety and they just get an email from a leader and says, hey, we're going to have this meeting or hey, I need to talk to you. We're going to have this one to one. They can be mortified and they're going to spend all night very anxious thinking about what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say? But if you provide context, 
if you provide an agenda of the meeting, that person is able to then prepare themselves to give their best effort at um, contributing to the conversation. So where you might think someone is just disengaged, it could be that they're just incredibly anxious, not knowing the context of the meeting, what's going to be discussed. So that's one inclusion tip that I would say, but it is important for leaders to understand uh, being diverse, uh, having equal access, mm. being inclusive, and having uh, fostering a sense of belonging is incredibly important. The evidence is out that it improves productivity. It increases the bottom line. You're able to market your product to more people. Um, and I, I, I can give an example of that. Yeah. One of the mistakes that was made when I was in my, my buying office days, but it's important for the bottom line. I mean, it's that simple. I remember when my days of being uh, in the in the buying office in retail, where I spent most of my days. I remember there was a new um, there was an acquisition that happened, um, and the first thing it was in September. I remember they set up these in Florida cold weather shops. Now, if you can think back to what September feels like in South Florida, it is hot. And as you can imagine, there are <laughs> these coats, scarves, gloves, mittens, all types of things um, um, in these cold weather shops. And I remember that this retailer lost millions of dollars just because in the buying office, there was not someone who had geographical diversity to understand that even wow. though it is the fall season, it doesn't feel like fall in all states. So, you know, you heard me talk about we must go beyond race. Think about the geography. What works in Texas and Florida and California as border states, as um, um, warm weather states is completely different than what happens in Chicago or New York or Maine. So it's important uh, for a bottom line perspective to have diversity uh, at the table when you are making decisions. The next fall season, there was a warm weather strategy put into place where flip-flops, bathing suits stayed on the shelves year round, uh, and they were able to have a 50% increase. So being diverse pays dividends. It helps you increase your bottom line. It makes you more marketable uh, to others. Absolutely. Now, I love that example. Um, as individuals, um, and as we all move through this, this world, um, is there, is there one thing that we can take away to be more, you know, DEIB conscious in our day-to-day -day lives as individuals? The biggest thing is, uh, the biggest takeaway, listen. Listen to your customers, listen to your um, internal teams, listen to understand what matters to them. Don't make assumptions about what you feel mm. is uh, important to them. So when you do that, whatever program you have, whatever new products you have, being customer centric and really listening uh, really goes the distance in being more profitable. 
you know, this podcast is very health wellness. I, I like to say health and happiness centered. And ultimately, if we have more diversity, if our world is more equitable, inclusive, and we all feel that we belong, we are creating a healthier and happier society for all of us. I agree. I definitely agree. I I know what a toxic culture feels like. It impacted my health. Uh, I remember there was a year where I was running so hard just to keep up uh, that I ended in the hospital with the doctor saying, we found something. In fact, those words are such a trigger for me. Uh, and I mm -hmm. felt, I think what was so dysfunctional about it is I felt like, well, I can't stop. It's retail. Uh, it's October. And you're telling me that you need me to kind of uh, go have this procedure. I, I didn't know how to put myself first. Uh, and I think when you go from being an outsider within an organization or within a social network to being an insider, the happiness and joy that you feel uh, is profound. When someone feels like they belong in a space, again, tap into a moment when you felt like you didn't belong. Mm -hmm a moment that there has been exclusion. Yeah. When you find that group that accepts you no matter what, uh, it has exponential benefits, uh, health, mind, body, soul, spirit. Uh, and that's really the passion of what we do. We are a non-threatening uh, consulting firm in this space that goes beyond just race. Uh, we focus on it's like an iceberg. You only see 10% of an iceberg above water. It's the same with humans. You might guess someone's age or their ethnicity, but you're not going to know the foundation of who they are. 90% of who they are is below the surface. And they choose if they bring that to mm -hmm. the surface based on if you've created a safe space for them. Okay. So when someone is able to show up authentically, it has such, it's a happy place. It is a happy place. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it time and time again in this work. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rosalind, for sharing all that you did today. Lastly, I want to ask you, how can people find you, connect with you and your firm, work with you, social media, yes. all the things? <laughs> yes, we would love to work with you. So uh, we really hang out on Instagram. Uh, so on Instagram, we are double portion. Again, I have a twin sister, so we, you get a double portion of inspiration <laughs> and uh, consulting and expertise. Um on Facebook, we are DPI, the number two LLC uh, for Facebook. And then our website is DPI, the number two.com. Wonderful. So that is the best way to kind of redeem us, slide into our DM. We would love, it. We would love to work with, work with you. Wonderful. And I'll make sure we link all of that below in the show notes so you all can find that easily there and connect with Rosalind. Um, anything else you want to say before we go? You know, I would say um, as we are in Black uh, History Month, first off, to all those uh, that are out there, like enjoy Black joy all month and beyond. Um, but I would say that we are also going to have online classes. Uh, and so stay tuned on our social media outlets. We're excited about that because people get the opportunity to be self-guided in, in, in the 
in their own spaces and understanding what is diversity, equity, inclusion? How do I start working towards being more inclusive? Um, because I know that this might have awakened some more um, hunger for learning. And so we will have that as well, opening our online academy. So we're excited about that. Awesome. It's happening uh, in second quarter. We're excited about that. Awesome. Yeah, definitely keep us posted on that. Wonderful. Well, yeah. Rosalind, this has been wonderful. I'm sure I'll be seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. As always, I hope you enjoyed that episode and learned something from it. I know I did as I do on every episode, but especially this one. Again, just listening, learning is so important to me as I know it is to all of you here in this audience. So please feel free to go below, connect with Rosalind, learn more about her firm. All of that is below in the show notes. And hey, you know, if you haven't also connected with me, I want you to do that as well, because I'd hate for you to miss out on new episodes that come out every other week. So you can find us all the places. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. And also I'd love for you to subscribe on YouTube. So until I see you back in two weeks, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy.